Well, anyhow, today's message is, God, what do I owe? <laughs> God, what do I owe? Well, whenever we think of God's economy and how that God has blessed us, you know, we, we have a perspective that says, you know, and, and a true perspective that no matter how much we use of God's blessing or receive of God into our lives, into our lives, the uh, reservoir of God is never depleted because there is no depletion in what God has for us and what he is blessing us with. And there's a couple of scriptures that um, I wanted to read today. And the first one is in James chapter 1, verse 17 and 18. It says, So my very dear friends, don't be thrown off course. Every desirable and beneficial gift comes out of heaven. So whenever we start thinking about all the good things in our life, we need to remember that every good gift is a gift from God to us. So everything is a gift. Everything is something that God has given to us. It's like, well, some of our, some of our gifts are natural. <laughs> you know, there's just, we have a natural ability. Uh, some people's gifts are ones that they have to um, continue to develop. And so whenever we think about what God has for us and what God wants to do in our life, it's, it's something that God wants to perform. And so we have a challenge then to allow God to work in our life. So every desirable and beneficial gift comes from, from heaven. The gifts are rivers of light cascading down from the Father of light. So it's, it's almost, in the, you know, if you think of the imagery here, as the sun shines and the light of the sun is shining into our life, so the good things of God are just streaming the good things of God are streaming into our life. And so uh, sometimes we're, we're praying, God, I pray, for, you, know, you know, bring this about, bring that about. We need this, we need that. But whenever we are being thankful to God, we are being thankful that God is streaming these things into our lives. Now, if you're, um, uh, I guess, a computer and things like that, the, the, uh, we can't see the information coming through the wire or through the airways uh, but, and coming into our computer, and we can type it in, and there it is. We don't see it streaming, but it comes, <laughs> if we have it set up properly. And I always call Jose, hey, I, what do I do now? <laughs> but so we have to recognize that these things are coming to us. And so the good things of our life, are gifts that God has given to us. So there is nothing deceitful. <laughs> so we look at our, our gifts and there is no deceit in God. There is nothing deceitful. There is nothing fickled. <laughs> There's nothing two-faced. He said, he brought us to life using the true word. So the life of the word, the word became flesh and dwelt among us in Christ. His word still speaks to us as we read it in the New Testament. We find that these words are spoken and his promises are given and they are true. And he's showing us off. <laughs> he's showing us off as the crown of his creation. So when God is looking at us, and he is, his blessing is coming into our life, we are the examples of how God can change a life. And, so, you know, whenever we have the wrong opinion of that, we know, well, we got to be, 
you know, we got to have, we, we got to be too poor. You know, God only blesses the poor because we're going to find out here in a little bit, rich can't get to heaven. So therefore, God doesn't want us to be rich and things like that. And it's the furthest thing from the truth. But the idea that we are the crown of his, of his creation, of his creatures. So God has blessed us in a way that we are examples as to what God wants to do in the, in the world. So we got, we got to keep that in place. And then 1 John 3, 17 and 18 if anyone has this world's goods, so we have been blessed by God, right? And that the light, the gifts are streaming into our life. If anyone has this world's goods, resources for sustaining life, and sees his brother or fellow believer in need, yet closes his heart of compassion against him. So you see, we cannot turn our heart off to people who have needs. All right? We see needs and that we are moved with compassion towards them. It's important that we maintain that. Now, uh, <laughs> it doesn't mean that everybody, we, you know, sell everything you got and give to the poor, and therefore th those needs will all be met, and, and, and that doesn't work that way. We, we need to see how that the, the, what we give and how that gift is going to make a difference in their life to take them from where they are to where they need to be, you know? You don't give them a fish, you teach them how to fish, you know. You know, give them sustainable resources, and that's what David does in El Salvador, in, you know, the very poverty places of the world, in teaching them and helping them to establish sustainable resources. So we must have compassion. Never turn off your heart. How can the love of God live and remain in him, you know, if we've turned off our heart of compassion? Little children, let us not love merely in theory or in speech, but in deed and in truth, in practice and in sincerity. So here we are, loving God, allowing God's love to be streamed into our life, and his gifts are there to um, help us and to, to bless our lives so that we in turn might be able to bless other people. So our, we are the hands and we are the feet of Jesus. You know, it's a, a very simple... Um, formula, a very simple uh, statement. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. So we, when people hear us, they are hopefully hearing and seeing Christ and that we speak truth and without deceit because the gifts we have are not for deceit but for blessing. Hmm. So the Lord, wants us, uh, the Lord wants to bless us so that we can continue to be blessing. So the idea of selling everything and giving it away and having nothing is not what God plans. God, you know, if you, if you put your seed in the ground, you're expecting a harvest. And so we are planting seed in the lives of others and we are trying to help them move out of the, where they are to move on in their life to another, hopefully grow on in their relationship with God and their understanding of their own life. So uh, God wants us to work, God wants to work through us. He wants to show his love and his, com his compassion. So people read you and your actions just like they would read a book. So love is about reaching out and meeting the needs of others. And sometimes meeting someone's need is as simple as a smile or sharing a word of encouragement or letting someone know, you know, you can do this. You see... Sometimes I think we make the, the scriptures uh, too complex. You know, I, I've tried not to be this. Uh, when, I, when I was in school, you know, you, you would pick it, you know, um, 
hermeneutics class, you would take the, the scripture and you would get a section of scripture, you would divide it into three points, and you'll find out what the three points are in that, and under those three points, you would not have another two or three points, and that would be your sermon, okay? So you teach the word of God. Well, that's very important, and I still do that, <laughs> try to do that, but in the same sense, you try to um, put the try to find the word of God to be implant with the word of God, to find the stories and find the illustrations and situations that are throughout the scriptures that apply to those scriptures. And so um, sometimes I think of myself as a teacher, preacher, trying to teach a lesson, and you good people are sitting there wondering, is he ever going to (laughs) finish? You know, I've heard the lesson before, let's move on. Well, it's like the preacher, he, he, preached, he preached the same sermon every Sunday. You know, after about four or five times, the people said, Pastor, you've preached that four times, five Sundays in a row. He says, yeah, and I won't, I'm going to keep preaching until you get it right. <laughs> so, just a little joke there. So, Whenever we think about love and we think about how God has given us, these gifts are streaming into our life. So God is pouring out of the reservoir. Um, we have a reservoir. Uh, what's that, the Queen Mahoming Dam? Is that up the river from us? Yeah. The Queen Mahoming Dam, they open it uh, at times in the summer. They open it up and let the water out at a higher rate on the weekends so that the, uh, to support the kayaking community so that they will have water to, you know, kayak and, you know, bring, bring uh, uh, people to our community and for the, the waters and so on that they can uh, work their way through with the kayaks. Well, God is streaming things into our life and he's opening the reservoirs of heaven of which there is no depletion and he's streaming those things into our life. And so we are then allowing the word of God to, to flow through us. And it is creating this love and it's creating this, these, um, we have the, the, if anyone has these world, the world's goods, resources, that we are to be, use those resources not only for our own self, but the lives of others. And so we find out as we go on here that some people have their wealth and they have it to themselves. What's mine is mine, and what's yours is mine, and we're happy. <laughs> you know, that doesn't, that's not what God is about. God is about what, we, what, what do we owe God? God, what do I owe? What do I owe you? Well, we know that our salvation is free, but it's not free. It costs Jesus everything. Hmm. So everything we give, everything that is a gift, somebody paid for so there aren't, there aren't, there's no free passes. There's money that has to be there in order for there to be a free pass. So everything that comes into our life is a gift from God, but God has paid the price for us to receive it. So what do I owe? Well, maybe we'll find out by the end of the message. <laughs> and um, get your checkbooks ready. No, it's not about that. <laughs> I'm not taking an offering. and I'm not going to ask you to write a check. Because what we owe may be different than what we think. So, the Bible says that it is his kindness that leads people to repentance and that the Lord wants us to show his kindness in the earth and he wants to show it through us. 
So, if anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother and fellow believer in need, yet closes his heart of compassion against him, how can the love of God live and remain in him? You see, we have to have an outlet. We have to have an outlet for God's compassion, for God's love. So we have to have that going out from us or we, we can't remain in Christ. So there has to be a way that we, we give of what we have because God doesn't want us to be the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea is where all the water used to run into and there was no exit. And so the Dead Sea became dead because the water evaporated and the salt remained. So nothing could live in the Dead Sea. The salt content was too high. Well, you see, we find that if God blesses us in a great way, we then, we can die. We can die with all those blessings because we have to have an outlet. And he's telling us that, you, you know, how can the love of God live and remain? The love of God cannot live and remain unless it is flowing. If we bottle it up, it's not going to work. So God in his streaming of life and love into our lives, it is, it's a very important thing that we allow it to flow through us. Now there's a story in Mark chapter 10 where the rich man comes to Jesus. And uh, whenever he comes to Jesus, he, uh, he, um, as Jesus went out on the street, a man came running to him and greeted him with a great reverence and asked, good teacher, what must I do to get eternal life? <laughs> God, what do I owe? What do I owe here so that I can have eternal life? And, it, and this, is a, this is a good guy. You know, I remember years ago, uh, in this same story, I, I, I remember speaking it uh, that, you know, it was a setup, you know, that we had the Pharisees kind of setting him up. But then I was reading it again, reading other commentaries, and find out that, well, this, was a, this is a pretty good guy. And um, he came running, and he had great reverence. So, and he called him, called Jesus good. Now, what happened here is uh, the, the, uh, Jesus said, why do you call me good? You know, why are you calling me good? <laughs> because what he was implying is he was calling him God. And to the people around him, you know, he, they, they weren't ready to hear and Jesus wasn't as it were, ready to disclose that I, am, that I am God. He said, but he tells this guy, why are you calling me good? Do you really believe that I am God? So that's the challenge that he puts to him, all right? Now, Jesus said to him, you know the commandments. You know, what must I do? Um, what must I do? And Jesus responds, you know the commandments. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat. Honor your father and mother. Now, have you ever talked to an individual about coming to church or inviting them to Christ, and they, you know, about repenting their sins, and they says, I'm not that bad. I didn't kill anybody. You know, I'm not like those guys who kill and rob. I, don't, I didn't do that. Why do I need to be saved? What did I do wrong? Well, Jesus is confronting this individual, and, and he's kind of like bringing up the things that he does all the time that he feels makes him worthy of being a child of God. 
or a disciple. So he's a rich man. Now, that the, the, the being rich is not the thing that Jesus is confronting here. It's the person. He's, he's speaking to the person and saying to him, you know, you know the commandments. Don't do this. Don't kill. Don't steal. Don't murder. Uh, don't commit adultery. Honor your father and mother. He said, teacher, I've done all this from my youth up. This is an excellent man. <laughs> this is a guy who's got his life together. He's got his act together. He's been doing the right thing. He's on, he's, as it were, he's on the right course. Okay? He's on the right course. Now, I thought, when I was thinking of this, I thought of Judas. <laughs> I don't know, why would you think of Judas? Well, do you, you know, we never know, we never hear about what was Judas, you know, he, we know that he had his hand in the bag stealing money, and um, he, he sold Jesus. And, and I was thinking of, you know, we just hear him at the end selling Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. I was thinking of, um, I've said that before, I'm thinking of, <laughs> in case you wondered what I was thinking. Um, I don't know what I was thinking, no. <laughs> um, what if Judas was a gambler? Just, I picked that out, just a thought. What if Judas, Judas was an um, addicted gambler? Now, if Jesus would have said, Judas is a gambler and he steals from the pot because he goes and gambles and he ends up selling Jesus out and dies and everybody who has an ad addiction like that would say, oh my gosh, I'm going to die because I'm like Judas. So we never know what Judas, what his problem is. But we know he has a problem and we know he's had it such a long time that when it comes to making, having money, he was willing to sell out Jesus so that he could keep his habit going. Now, it doesn't matter if it's alcohol or drugs or pornography or gambling or whatever. People become so addicted to these things that they will sell everything to get what they feel is their fix. And Judas, and, and, and this is just conjecture, okay? This is just conjecture. David's thinking, <laughs> and you can say he's off and that's okay. Uh, but there was something that, about Judas that he was willing to sell out Jesus to have that extra money to do what he normally did behind everybody else's back. Okay? But Jesus knew. And I'm sure there were times throughout these three years that Jesus would have spoken to Judas or it would have been one of those things. It's in this... In this um, text with the rich man, it says that Je Jesus looked at him, looked him in the eye, and loved him. Okay? I think that there were times over and over again where Jesus would have looked Judas in the eye and loved him, but Judas was not willing to give up whatever it was. And when it push came to shove, he sold Jesus out to get what he thought he needed to continue his addiction. Now, we don't know what it was, and that's just a, a thought. Um, now, he's the, Judas is the opposite of the rich man. The rich man here, um, it says that Jesus 
Well, I'll just talk about it a little bit. <laughs> Jesus, whenever this rich man comes to Jesus, he is, he's very respectful of Christ. He's very respectful and he, you know, he, you know you're, good, you're good. You're really a good guy. And, 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 I'm, and in sincerity, I, I have done everything that the law requires because that's what he's been taught since he was a little kid. Do the law, keep the law, and everything will be all right. Well, he keeps the law and he does everything and uh, you know, he, he finds himself in this place where now he's confronted with all the good things he's done and where his trust really lies. Now, another story that made me think of this was uh, in uh, Second Kings, whenever um, Naaman, this general, has, um, has a grievous skin disease, you know, with some, some translations say it leprosy, and he, he is a, he's a, an invader, he's a, he's a top soldier in, in a foreign army, and, and what he does is they raid some of the Jerusalem the, the provinces of, of Israel, and he takes captive this slave girl. He captures this Jewish girl and makes her a slave to his wife. All right, so here's this Jewish girl who's a slave to, the, to this household in which the man who's the head of the household is like second in command of the empire and has leprosy. Now, <laughs> this slave girl tells Naaman, there's a guy in Israel who can heal you. Do not, whenever we see the love of Christ, do not shut the love of God out of your life to anyone. So here's a slave girl, and if, you know, if they raided her village, her town, they probably killed everybody that was resisting, and some people may have escaped, but then they took the rest captive and made her a slave. So, <laughs> Naaman, um, he goes to the king, he gets a letter from the king, you know, to take him. He wants to go see this prophet in Israel, so he goes and has a letter. He goes to the king uh, in Israel, and uh, he says, you know, reads the letter and said, here, this is my second in command, I want you to heal him. <laughs> well, the king rips his clothes and all that. And Elisha heard of it. And Elisha, the man of God, heard what had happened, that, that the king of Israel was so distressed. He sent word to the king, why are you so upset ripping your robe like this? Send him to me so he'll learn that there is a prophet in Israel. So we have a slave girl who, who looks beyond her circumstances as being ripped out of her homeland and she is talking about the man of God, okay? Not withholding God's love from anyone. So Naaman, <laughs> he's confronted with something. He's a man of high esteem and high honor. And a slave girl gives him advice, okay? But he follows through with it. And then he goes to the king, gets a letter, and Elisha says, come, you know, come to me. So here the king arrives. Um, I forget what he had, what he brought with him. He brought, um, he sent with him 750 pounds of silver, 100 pounds of gold, and 10, shekel, 10 sets of clothing. He was going to make, you know, Elisha one good bargain. You pray for me, make me well, and you're going to be rich. Okay? So, 
slave girl tells him, guy shows up at the house of Elisha. What does Elisha do? He sends a servant to this man. Tells him, go, go dip in the river seven times. Well, <laughs> pride. Here's a man who could have allowed his pride, and he did. He stomped off, he got mad. I'm a, you know, you don't know, doesn't he know who I am? He should come out and see me, put his hands over me, and tell what it is to go away, and, you know, I'll give him all this money, and that's how it should be. And he's stomping off, and a slave brought him that answer, and a slave of his own came up and said, if he had asked you to do a really difficult thing, would you do it? Here we have, we have people who are willing to look beyond their circumstances to allow God to speak through them. And we have a person who is, going, who is to be blessed by God having to confront his pride and his position in life to be a recipient of blessing. Okay? So the guy goes and he dips in the water seven times and he comes up well. He's healed. So he goes back to Elisha and says, here, here's all this stuff. And Elisha says, nope, don't want a thing. Well, if you know the story, Gehazi, who is the servant of Elisha, says, I can use that stuff. <laughs> now, the interesting thing here is Elisha was a servant of Elijah. Okay? And Elisha took care of Elijah, followed him. He was like a son to him. And when it came time for Elijah to die, or in this case, he was taken to heaven, that didn't die. He just went to heaven. Elisha received an answer to prayer. I want a double portion of what you have. Okay? I want double the power that's in your life. Now, if we would say that now, God, I want double of what every blessing in the, in the church is. I want double. What do you think we would feel like? Oh, that would be prideful. <laughs> you know, that would be a bad thing. Why? How are we going to use it? See, that's the difference. How are we going to use it? So you see, here is a man who has pride, who almost keeps, who, who almost keeps himself from receiving uh, the healing that he needs for his leprosy. And he has to confront his pride and listen to slaves <laughs> to answer, to get where he needs to be and, 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 and be dipped in the water. And, and the other with the rich man who comes with all of his wealth He's missing out because he's trusting in something that won't take him anywhere. So, Elisha served Elijah faithfully. He received a double portion. Gehazi was in line, as it were, if he would have had spiritual eyes that he could have asked, just like Elisha uh, asked for a double portion he could have received more in his own life to do a greater work for God, but he was caught up in getting things rather than getting 
a relationship with God. So he went and said, he ran after um, Naaman and Elijah changed his mind. He wants, he doesn't want everything, he just wants some. <laughs> and he takes it back and he even gets two servants of the guy to take it with him and then he goes and hides it and thinks that the man of God won't, <laughs> won't know and he ends up with leprosy. You know, he traded, he, he traded poorly. So, the rich man. The, man, the man's face clouded over when Jesus said, you got to sell everything. He said the last thing he expected to hear, and he walked off with a heavy heart. He was holding on tight to a lot of things and not about to let go. So the rich man, when told to get, let go of his riches, you see, God, wasn't, God isn't saying, okay, in this story, it's impossible. He goes on later, it's impossible for the rich to enter into heaven. It's not what he's meaning. It's impossible for people who trust in the wrong thing to get to heaven. <laughs> if you trust in your own abilities, you're not going to get there. If you trust in the, the keeping of the law and, you know, coming to church and get your name on the register and, you know, I'm going to heaven, it's not going to work. You see, we're looking at these, these principles and how that God is at work in each of these places, challenging perhaps the things that I never thought he wanted that part of me. <laughs> I never thought that God wanted that part. Well, we know that how that God brought a lot of things about in, in the life of the rich man and how that uh, he, he comes to his disciples and, you know, they, they come back, they're kind of discussing what they just saw, okay? The rich man becomes discouraged and he walks off. Now, I wonder, and it's not said, but I wonder if, even though he walked off, but he still was trying to keep the law, maybe if he ever returned, maybe understood the principle that Jesus was doing. I don't know. But the disciples then, then who has any chance of, of all? Jesus bluntly said, no chance at all if you think you can pull it off by yourself. Every chance in the world if you let God do it. That's verse 27. You see, if we think that we can do it on our own, we're going to lose. And if we can recognize that every good thing that comes into our life is streaming down from God, and it's placed in our life, well, if we look at that and say, well, well no, wait a minute here. It's like the guy looking for the parking place. He's driving around the parking lot, driving around the parking lot, and he prays, God, if you give me a parking place, I'll serve you, I'll give, my, I'll give money to the church, and I'll go to church every Sunday. Just then, a guy backs out of the parking place, and he pulls in, and he says, Don't matter, never mind, God, I found one. <laughs> you know? So that's what goes on. Whenever we're looking at this, we want to be, be in a place where it's not about me, it's everything about you, Lord. Everything is about you, Lord. Everything is about you. In all the gifts that I have, I'm thankful to you that you have me with the ability to acquire, to do this, to do that. I thank you, God, because it's all a gift from you. Peter tried another, another way, verse 20, 28. He says, we've left everything and followed you. Jesus said, mark my words, no one who sacrifices 
No one who sacrifices, houses, brother, sister, mother, father, child, land, whatever, because of me and the message, they will never lose out. They will get back. They, they'll get it back, but multiplied many times. So he isn't saying that the rich never get in. He's saying that whatever we give and give up, God is, it's, God is not slack concerning his promises. That he will, he will do, he will bless, he will pour out into our lives. Then it says, in homes, brothers, sisters, brothers, and land, but also in troubles, because the troubles come from people looking at our life and saying, they believe in God, but look at them. <laughs> you know, the troubles are in people trying to discredit trying to discredit what we have because of the God that we serve. So, God, what do I owe? I owe nothing. Yet, I owe everything. (laughs) God, what do I owe? I owe nothing. But yet, everything is yours. (laughs) That's my conclusion. (laughs) What do I owe? I owe nothing, but yet everything is a gift. Amen? Let's stand. (laughs) We can't give away what we don't have. So if we're going to forgive, we have to receive it. How are we going to earn it? We don't. It's a gift. So I owe nothing, but yet everything. My forgiveness, it's all yours. (laughs) My sin, they're all yours. My blessings, they're all yours. Because all the good things are streaming down to us. The reservoir is opened up, and the water's flowing, and good kayaking is about to begin. (laughs) No, the good life, the life that God has for us, God is streaming it into our lives. Father, thank you for the blessings. Thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that you help us. Help us to understand your blessing and understand the, the gifts that you have given to us, that how that you have given them to us to, that we might serve you and serve others. So, Lord, open our floodgates to let out the blessing upon others. And we'll find that your rivers flowing into us are never lacking. So bless us, O Lord. Forgive us of our sin. Remove every obstacle in our life from receiving what you have for us. And may we, with grace and mercy and love and peace and forgiveness and your joy, allow that to flow from us to the lives of others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.